0: Okay. So first thing uh, Jintan you've uh, you've dug up quite a a doozy here.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we're discussing in the Dinganakaaya uh sutta number 2 which is uh, the Vesvamya Fala sutta. Which yep. means, and you can see the word phala in there, which is actually the word for fruit. And mm-hmm. samanai is uh, an aesthetic. And in fact, uh, young boys who are, are ordained as children are actually ordained as a samanai, which is not a full bhikkhu. And so, uh, they've translated as the fruits of the aesthetic life. Uh, but that, that word was common in the time of the Buddha. Uh, and uh, as long as Pali was a, um, a using, used, used language or in, was in use. Um, so, this is a, it's actually talking about a way of life,
1: uh-huh.
0: and, this, and, the, and this is actually the question uh, that the king had. Um, now the king's name here. Um, let's see what is. I want to see the poly. Ata, a, tasatu. Uh uh-huh. Ajasatu. And the rest of his name is Vedhi uh, Pith, Puta. You can uh-huh. see the word Puta there. The word Puta means the son of.
2: Ah, oh, okay.
0: Okay, so Seriputa <clears throat> means son of Seri. Uh-huh. Okay, and this is Magadha. Now, Magadha was the whole region where the buddha spent most of his time which is now modern day bihar
2: okay where so is bihar
0: so uh that's in eastern um india and it butts uh with uh current nepal but in those days there were no uh, nepal indian borders and so things weren't like that then but uh uh, that's up close to Patna in the top region there, uh, and also down towards the east into uh, Varanasi uh-huh. and the Deer Park, all the way over to where is now modern day Calcutta. Uh-huh. There, in fact, I have heard that there is an argument between whether modern-day Calcutta is uh, Rajgari or Rajaka, or is it, in fact, the one that's named now Rajata And so they're still doing all the archaeology they can. That's one, of the un, that's one of the questions that was around in the 1980s. They may have gotten that straightened out now. Where, in fact, because um, we know Saranath, but Rajaka, and uh, that's where the king stayed. Uh-huh. and it became the hotbed of Buddhism when uh, it appears that this sutta was written. So we can talk about the Ding and the Kaya as a document that uh, uh, one monk lovingly says is a propaganda instrument uh-huh. designed to convert Brahmins into Buddhism during the time of King Asoka, when Buddhism became the straight religion.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And so if we keep that in mind, we might be able to um, put some things together with that. Yep. Now that makes something else, then. That means that the contents, by and large, of this sutta, the contents of it are much older. Yep and that they were found in other suttas and that um, basically what the Gaya was doing was it was putting together a thread. A really good example of that is the uh Sutta in the Danganakaya, number 16, is where uh, Uh, They take stuff that's in the Udana, in the uh, uh, Sutanapata, and other places like that, and some other information that I assume was um, historical by then, or let us say woven into commentary, to give the entire story of uh, uh, the poisoning and the death and the uh, celebration afterwards. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, and in, in, including the, uh, the the starting of the first council, and uh-huh. so all of that kind of stuff, and then you can see in uh, some references in the Majjhima Nikaya to that council that was started also. So this sutta here uh, is a sutta that uh, we can, by looking at it, see that it comes from all kinds of places.
2: Yeah, I noticed um, bits and pieces from, well, um, they seemed very familiar. I'm sure I've read um, various parts of this sutta in other places.
0: Correctly. And that uh, what this is, is this is the question about this king, uh, Ajatasattu, this referred to in this document here if we uh bothered to look it up uh as a deva yes okay that word deva there was never translated as anything close to a deva at least the translator here had to, uh, uh, the wisdom to not do that because really what we're looking at is is that in those days Magical language was used to describe ordinary things. But in our modern English, especially since science has been encroaching and encroaching and encroaching and encroaching, we've found uh, secular or ordinary things to call things instead of uh, using the magical language to describe ordinary things. And so a king is going to be considered a deva. All right. This is not true just in India, but look at the, um, um, uh, the Roman emperors or pharaohs. They always wanted to be elevated to the level of a god. Yep. Okay. Well, in India, they were already gods.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, there, there were no ceremonies or cremations or anything. That, in fact, this guy, according to where we are in the Sutta here, But it looks like at the end of the sutta, this is the one who actually uh, confesses to the Buddha that he had actually killed his own father, Bimbisara. But I think it was kind of common knowledge, and and I think perhaps the ministers kind of understood that he was in kind of bad shape like that. But after the Buddha died, and we don't—I don't know uh, how much time it was between the time that he killed his father and the time that the Buddha died—but we do know that the first council was, in fact, supported by uh, um, this king uh, Ajatasattu. But that um, he was also, I think, the great or great-great grandfather of. Uh, king of
1: mm-hmm.
0: same area, same uh, group of religious ascetics living the mm-hmm. same life in in the countryside. But now the king wants to support them royally. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the, uh, the the royal lineage through this group and the and the Buddha, you can see the tight connections yep. through this. That this sutta was written in the time of soak possibly to, um, uh, let us say, even absolve soak of his great-grandfather's murdering, uh-huh. his, his great-great-great-grandfather. Okay, so this was about, what, a hundred and something years. The more recent research, at one time they thought that the Buddha, they had pegged his death date at about 486. But more recent research, especially coming from India and all of these lines of kings and know who did what, when, and and where, and the Buddha knew these guys and all of that kind of stuff. Basically how they pinned Jesus' time, Uh okay, was because they knew who uh, who was doing what, and they have his death at about 406 to 410 B.C. All right? We know that Osok was uh, canonized and brought to power in 310. Okay. Just about a hundred years later, he comes to power, and and then Buddhism springs up and grows wild at about 270, 280 BC, including this document. So this is where it looks like this this document comes from is about a hundred to 130 years after the Buddha's death, talking about a time that uh, was possibly uh, 10 years or 15 years before he died. Uh-huh. Okay. And so um, one of the things that's very interesting in this document is, is that while there is a lot of name dropping, there are no mentions of any monks. Also, oh, yeah. okay, there, uh, Saraputta, nowhere around, yep. Ananda, nowhere around, okay, uh, that in fact, when things are put into the mouth of the Buddha, like that, without setting the context, and they're, you know, they are setting the context uh, a bit here, when they're talking about uh, Javaka's grobe,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Um. Because uh, an anthropiticus grove was at a different place, more uh, 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 further west Mm -hmm. than than this place. This is kind of a a moving east, graduating towards the uh, to where you see there were two kings at that time: King Bimbisara in the east and King Pasenadi. Yeah, uh, to the west of there. I think by the time of Asok, that that had been merged all into one kingdom. If not, Asok was doing that himself. Right. Okay. We also have the influence at that particular time. Just to make things interesting, was when the Greeks came. Okay. The uh, I think that it's in the Indian history, but I haven't looked it up. But I'm not sure, but it's quite possible, uh, due to statuary and things, that Alexander the Great did make it to Magati And that's where he turned around and left.
2: Why did he leave?
0: At, pardon?
2: Why did he leave?
0: Because he had it handed to him. Uh-huh. And that's when he went north into Afghanistan. Okay. But he retraced his steps and he left India, but he did not leave every, or he did not take everything with him. Mm -hmm. Because this is the time when all of the statuary came into play. Yep. Okay, a lot of statuary. Well, that's Greek. And for nearly 200 years, all the Buddhist symbols were one of Bodhi leaf from the Bodhi tree. Uh, two, the Dhamma Chakra, the wheel of the turning of the chakra. And three, the image of a tree with a seed under it. These were the three symbols. But now, look how many Buddha Rupas there are, which are uh, statuary, pictorials, and all of that kind of stuff that came from the Greek society. And I've been okay. in that part of India, and I'll believe it. there is a huge, huge amount of statuary. That uh-huh. came about right then and there. They know when all of that stuff was done. And so they know that all of a sudden King Asoka was deciding that he's going to make all of the statuary of all of this Buddhist stuff. Uh-huh. As well as writing it on tablets or not uh, uh, carving it on stone and putting up pillars along the way. They've dug up a lot of the pillars. One of the most interesting one was dug up in the 1980s which actually defined where Lumpini was. Of the four sacred places of Buddhism, one of them, they really weren't sure where it was. Everybody says it's here, there, and the other place. They were all very close, but when they dug up that pillar from Ahsoka, it said, Ahsoka is saying this, you know, within a hundred years, they knew that this was the place of Buddha's birth. Right. There's a city there now.
1: (laughs) Uh Yeah.
0: And it all happened just boom like that. I remember uh, when they were doing money to raise um, funds to uh, build and build and build.
1: Okay. And, so, uh,
0: and that's that's in that area, but it's kind of north.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Okay, in the Sakian clan area. So... Um, Now that we've set the setting on this, let's go to the palace and see that the king is sitting out on a balcony. And uh, he recognizes that, in other words, for some reason, he wakes up out of his uh, daydreaming in the evening. And he recognizes what a beautiful evening it is. Yep. And uh, he says, well, why don't we go out for the evening? Yep. Well, one of the entertaining things to go about in the evening back then was the holy men. Mm -hmm. And it looks like that he might have already done uh, done the rounds with them, as we'll see later. And so, um, what we start off with is that uh, they mention Peruna Kasapa now that name Kasapa, is very important okay uh maha Kasapa possibly was uh, associated with Puruna Kasapa. uh these clan names they're they're, uh, they're all familiar um uh, and they said well why don't you go see him and the king didn't want to yep um and then he said, um, actually, one after another of them, if we can move right along, Pakanda uh, Kachana and Srija uh, Balapathiputta. This one's very interesting because this guy is mentioned often. Uh, and then uh, one of them that's also kind of the star of the show. Uh, Nagantha Nathaputta.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, Nagantha uh has another name, uh, Mahavira, or Mahavira, and that he I've is the one before. who is known to have started the Jain religion. Right. And that though the Jains that I have seen in India do not by and large, go naked. There is quite a number of them that do. Right. In fact, not only do they go naked, but some of them do the cow duty aesthetic and the dog duty aesthetic. They become dogs, oh. and, uh, which means uh, eating off the ground. I think we've talked about uh, the dog duty aesthetic yep. before yep. Um, when we were talking about Kama. So uh, that's the group of Naka Nataputa. And so... Uh, uh, the king doesn't want to go see any of these guys
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: but Javaka was sitting uh, over on the side not saying anything he was probably smiling or something
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, according to the story and he says oh well there is um, what uh, is referred to here is the blessed one but if we go right into uh, the Pali, it says Ayam Deva, which means he's talking to the king, Bhagavan Araham Samasambhuto Anukampam Viharati Mahata. Yep. Okay. What he's saying there is is that uh, Bhagavan, in fact, the word Bhagavan is still common in in India. It, yeah. During the 70s, when I went around, there was Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, and he became from an archarya, which was a computer, a, a university professor. He gave himself the name of Bhagwan, which is there's that Bhagavad. So uh, that's possibly what he's talking about. And then Araham is the perfected one. And so, then um, Arama,
2: uh, Bhagavad, um in in my uh, Indian language, Gujarati, Bhagavan means God. Mm-hmm. So it's um, related to that. But
0: God incarnate or a walking human being, not something up there in the sky.
2: <laughs> well,
0: Just yeah. like they call the king a Deva. Yep. Okay, these monks were called gods. It's magical language, but it is just honorific magical language. That's important yep. for you to get there, okay? That this is just because they call him Bhagwan, will people run around India calling themselves and others Bhagwan already? Yep. It's not a big deal. <laughs> And yet, by the by, the time it's translated, the Blessed One, the Perfect... There's no these in this, Hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: The Fully Awakened One. So, see, you can see the specialness that's built into the mind of the translators when they do this. Yep. Now, I'm not sure whether he just picked this up wholesale from other translators or whether this is uh, uh, Sugato's own view. Because he is so prolific, is obviously that he's been borrowing stuff. Uh-huh. So he might have borrowed this. Um, and so uh, then he says something new. He says he has this good reputation. Yep. All right. That's an important part, because what's to follow this good reputation is in fact a very famous quote that's picked up, and then you'll find it in several places. One of them is in the... Um,
2: You have frozen. Hello? Still frozen.
0: Gather this following information from knowing my teachings.
2: Um, Domerato, did you, did anything freeze for you? Because on my end, you had frozen for about 10, I'm 20 sorry, seconds. Um, it froze for like 10, 20 seconds. I, I, um, I'm I not sure what you said.
0: Okay, I'm back.
2: Yes, now you are.
0: Okay. Uh, so what I was saying was, is that in the Lion's Roar, Suta number 11 or 12, in the Majima Akaya, one's the Singha and the other one, uh, excuse me, one of them is the Maha uh, mm-hmm. and the Chula. I think it's in the long one. Okay. Uh, uh, where he says the following statement that I'm about to make, he questions it as a reputation. Okay. He says, "How can people get this reputation about me from my teachings? My teachings, what I teach, do does not indicate." The following. And also notice that this words these words are in Javika's mouth. Yes. Jivaka is saying this. He has this good reputation. And here's what the reputation is. Yeti so bhagawan era hamsama sambuto vi chachana sampanos gabidu Anu Tara Purisadam Sarati sa tadevamanu bhagavati. Perhaps you've heard that before.
2: I have not.
0: You have not heard that. Yes, it's one of the most common of the chants. iti pi so pagawa era ha sam ma sam vi cha charana sam pan yo lo ga du Look at that. lo ga du The knower of the world. dhamma vi oh, yeah. Okay, lo do means the knower of the world. Yeah. Well, we have been discussing the world quite commonly between us, haven't we? We've yep. got a pretty good handle on the world out there.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that does not sound like such an honorific. But by the time it gets into the Vasudhimaga, he knows every fish and the... um, (laughs) Every uh, single thing. Yeah, right, right. Knower of the world. Well, we know what we need to know because we can see the dukkha. Okay. And then later when it says, teacher of gods and humans, no, if you look at that, uh deva manu san nam, the deva the manu by the way that's an important word manu because here the word manu is referring to us as humans or yep. um wise people and in that regard that's not the chitti chitti that you find in uh, yeah chit okay mind is okay. called chit all right, yeah. so uh, Sat Chittananda or uh, uh, Chitta Nupasana in the uh, Anapanasati or the uh, Chitta Sankara, mm-hmm. the emotional stuff. Here they're making a distinction between the emotional human and the wise human.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So they're calling him a deva manas.
0: Okay, and the next part of it is is the word deva again, does not have to mean gods like the uh, Western mentality immediately takes the god and puts him way out there. No, the gods always walked among the regular humans. Uh They were just maybe a little bit more wealthy, had more power, or were more grand. Okay, if the king can be a deva and the Buddha can be a Bhagwan, then here the devas are. You could say, uh, literally, he's a teacher of royalty and the higher classes. But when it gets into English, he's a teacher of gods and humans, and people are saying, magic, magic, magic. (laughs) Yes, the language is magical in the time of the Buddha, but it was not magical... With a hard line between the magic. Basically, it was honorific for regular things. Okay.
2: Yeah, more like titles.
0: Just like the song "This Is Heaven." Yep. When he's out on the dance floor with his girlfriend, who really knows how to dance better than he does. (laughs) Okay, so. Uh, this is heaven, is an honorific that we're giving things. We give it that superlatives. These superlatives are all over the suttas, and they're talking about regular things. <laughs> and in fact, above where we were talking about it, uh, he called the king a Deva right in front of his face. Yes. Which meant it was common. It was not a big deal. So here we find the word David. Let's not go all the way to call it a God.
1: Uh
0: And so that's the problem with this. this, But when we talk about it like that, even though we're bringing it back down to um, uh, the reality, um, everything about it here, about him, is true, but it's not nearly as special as the english tries to give it and yep. the buddha is saying even the pali is making it too much
2: okay in the lines roll that's what he meant by it
0: right the things that are said are true but how can you get all of this superlative stuff out of this from the teachings and then look at the westerners have taken you know that thread and run with it Yep. So that now it winds up being almost completely magical. And so now he's still talking about, uh, gosh, we just gotten into it, and he's still trying to talk the Buddha, uh, uh, the king into going to see the Buddha. Yep. And so here he is reciting this very well-known thing, Ittipiso Bhagawa. And that was enough to convince him. Let your majesty pay homage to him. Uh-huh. Uh, again, he's calling him a deva, uh, referring to the Buddha as Bhagavan. Yep. And uh, um, uh, Upasatu is mean just to go, to go see him. Uh, paying homage, I don't get that. <laughs> but... Uh-huh. Uh, hopefully in doing so your mind will find peace bingo that's what all of this is really about yep and and so the king says well go get the elephants ready (sighs) all right how many elephants
2: was it 400 500 yeah
0: Actually, the number 500 has a very interesting quality to it. In the Pali language, it merely refers to a large number that's too big to count.
2: Oh, okay.
0: So 500 monks means, well, they're all out in the yard here. (laughs) Okay. Now, um, basically what that does indicate... um, If you think about it, first off, this is in the evening and he's going to get 500 elephants ready.
2: Yeah, that's a lot of elephants.
0: I don't think so. I don't think, in fact, there would have been 500 uh, elephants in the city of Rajgiri. And if there was, that would be an awful lot of elephant poop. (laughs) 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 Um. And so he does get them ready. Um, and the next thing uh, to kind of look at is uh, down in the middle of that uh, line there, you have yep. ha, kasan, tani. Uh, okay? That is actually the elephant, Hatati, but the Kasata... Is <clears throat> do you know the word kapok? No. It's like it. It, it comes from a tree and it looks like cotton.
2: Uh, maybe I think I think okay. so. Okay.
0: What we're talking about here is the carriage of the elephant. In other words, they're going to put a box on this elephant, and that ele- and that box is going to be a box for the riders.
2: Right, okay.
0: Okay, so when they're getting the elephants ready, that's what they're meaning is they're putting these boxes on the elephants.
1: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
0: But in this case, it has the word, uh, kasatani. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm what this means is is that it is the basket that is that the people are getting into is female just like a ship is referred to as a she it is female and that's where that knee comes from it has nothing to do with the sex of the animals it has to do with the fact that you're getting into a basket
1: all
2: right so it's the gender of the basket
0: okay and so translators, they need to really look closely about this kind of stuff. Yeah, because uh, because all of it's just right there in the in the language. Um, and so uh, as we pass on, uh, he says the elephants are ready. Please go at your convenience, and the king. Um, let's see. I didn't actually research this one, but I'm not sure that he took all of his concubines, all 500 women, on 500 elephants out there. You, that didn't happen. I'm pretty sure.
2: <clears throat> I was thinking. that, like, that
0: did wow, 500? This, 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 is, this is all magical talking here. When it's right. translated the way that it is. But, but there's got to be some reality in there if you, uh, you know, go through and tear down every Pali word to get the root of it, to find out what's going on. And unfortunately, the dictionary doesn't allow us to do all of that. Mm-hmm. But then when he drew there, near, he became frightened because it was quiet.
2: Yes, he did. Yeah.
0: It was quiet when they were, uh, when they got there. And so he was, uh, um, actually accusing, uh, Javaka is, Hey, is this a trap Uh that I'm going out with my retina here? We're going to have a party and I don't hear a party going. (laughs) And so that's interesting because there are other suttas in the Majjhima Nikaya where one of uh, the Buddha's uh, head monks was walking down the road and was then seen by a group of uh, other, another teacher's group of mendicants sitting there. And they said to one another, be quiet. The guy who's coming there is one of, uh, you know, Gautama Buddha's crowd, uh-huh. the this group. Well, that indicates in many cases that, yeah, the monks hung out a lot with each other, but they didn't have much to say.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Once you stop talking about the Dhamma, there's not really a lot to talk about. And so they, they generally just sit around quietly. Practicing. Well, not the way Westerners hear the word practice. All
2: right.
0: Okay. Perhaps a hanging out kind of practice. Okay. Where we're just going around mindfully having a ball. Yep. So the king, when he heard that there was no, no sound, uh, then he gets worried so he thinks that actually even in his own kingdom area there that he you know is in danger i think that comes from the fact of his feeling guilty because as he killed his own father someone's oh. going to be a friend of my father and is going to come and try to take me
1: but in oh, fact
0: yeah. uh he knew and later on, it talks about the fact that uh, um, uh, the king's father, Bimbisara, was a friend of the Buddha. And so you put those two pieces of information, and now it's very quiet, and he has—he doesn't know the Buddha. This is the first time he's gone. He's seen these other guys, uh-huh. but he hasn't been to the Buddha because perhaps the Buddha was the one who was the one his father was associated with. But now, finally, he's actually coming. Um, And then he becomes afraid because he thinks that this may be a setup. Yep. So then King uh, Ajara, Ajara Satu, he goes in further... Uh, into the elephants, and then they see a light in a sala.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Okay, it wasn't really a building uh, because in in the tropics you don't want walls if you don't need walls.
1: Uh huh.
0: In northern Europe, you want and need walls to keep in the heat. Yep. You don't want a wall. Okay, so that's why the uh, the light was visible. It wasn't because it was hanging in a window. It was just you know. Uh, probably a set of lanterns or what, just enough daylight, or just enough light, so that they could see around. Uh Also, with as many of them there as they say, 1250, more than likely the Sala was, let us say, not jam-packed, but that most of the monks were not actually in the Sala, they were just hanging out around within, Uh perhaps, earshot or whatever. Okay, just out and about and and sitting in the woods. Um, What are you going to do at night? Nothing to do. No place to go. They didn't have TV. They didn't have electricity. What are you going to do? Are you going to, like most ordinary people, you're going to talk about the events of the day, uh, battleships, cabbages, kings, (laughs) you know, just anything to get our mind off of the moment. Well, the guys, as you say, are practicing to be in the moment, and there's nothing much to be said about the moment. Yep. And so they're all sitting there, very quiet, um, and he sees that the, uh, the Buddha is sitting up against a post, against a column. And so he goes in, and he stands to one side. Now, this is one of the things that's really important here. Generally, whenever anyone comes to the Buddha... They pay proper homage, which means the tri, uh, the triple ambulation. Yep. So they walk around, but here they didn't mention that, that the king just kind of barged in. Now, it's not a tight ambulation. It's actually more of, if you think of it, getting the lay of the land. You walk around a bit, see what's going on before you go in. Mm-hmm. But they didn't see that the king did that. They don't show him doing the circle, uh, the uh, <laughs> the walking around. <laughs> Circumambulation, they say. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and when he looks and he sees how happy and quiet and silent they are, he thinks about his son.
2: Yes, he does.
0: He thinks about his son would really enjoy this. Yep. And the Buddha knows that the king's mind has wandered away. How does he know that? Well, you look at the eyes. If the eyes are going to be steady, he can be here now. But you can see when people's eyes are darting all over the place. And the Buddha just said, your mind has gone to one you love. Mm Mm-hmm. I love my son, okay. So he, he's, he comes to the Buddha and immediately his mind wanders away. <laughs>
2: yeah, interesting.
0: He was reminded of by, the, by the Sangha, but instead of enjoying the silence, he's got to go get his son. Got to leave, okay. And he says, well, may he be blessed with such peace as the Sangha of mendicants now enjoy. So he's not talking about the Buddha here. He's talking about just the crowd in general. Uh-huh. They're just sitting there, you know, blissing out, <laughs> hanging uh-huh. out, not much, not much of anything, no place to go, nothing to do, just hanging out. And so then the king bowed to the Buddha, raised his joined palms and, and gave him the why. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then he sat down and he said, Sir, I'd like to ask you about a certain point, uh-huh. if you have the time to answer. Um, and then he's, and the, and the Buddha says, Sure. And he says, Okay, well, there are many different jobs to do. There are farmers and archers and banning men and food servants and uh, warriors and chiefs and princes, all kinds. Uh, There's also bakers and barbers and bathroom attendants and all kinds of jobs when people do. Uh, With that as being happiness and joy to them. In other words, their profession gives them the joy, so the king thinks. Because they take care of their parents and their children and all of that kind of stuff. Um, And then he says, can you point out A fruit of Mm -hmm. the aesthetics life that likewise is apparent in this present life. Now, that's a really important question. Simply because, as we begin to see, those other guys, they didn't answer that question about what is the value, what is the fruit. of hanging out in the woods when these guys could go to work in town. Support the king. Um, And so he says, Well, uh, if you wouldn't mind, great king, tell me how all of these other guys answered. Because he had already been to them before. And, in fact, if you look closely, you'll see that it's the same guy. He starts off here with Peruna yep. Kasapa. He's already been to Peruna Kasapa, so in the beginning of it, he didn't want to go see him. He'd already been there, and he wound up being really, really disappointed because Peruna Kasapa wanted to talk about what was out there someplace. Mm-hmm. uh He said, great king, the one who acts does nothing wrong. In other words, this whole explanation here, actually, with a bit of tweaking, comes right out of the Sutra number 117 on wrong view. Mm -hmm. Which basically means I can do no evil. We've talked about this also in the sense of I can get away with anything. That's what Kasapa is declaring as his teaching. I can get away with it. And the king actually is saying, yes, but what's the advantage of that? Knowing full well that you're not. But what he's doing is he's taking it to a level of magic. He says, no outcome of evil. Well, what is evil here? Is this something the translator is adding to this? Or is this something... Um, crime,
2: because, it says.
0: Yeah, there's a crime. We understand crime, but he says, okay, there's no crime here. Uh-huh. But if you go do damage, if you plunder the wealth of others, steal from them and whatnot, they may not like it. Yep. And he's not addressing that. <laughs> is that you've got to take you know through compassion take other people's point of view rather than you see we we do it this way almost instinctually in the west because of our training when we look at an uh, of something as whether it's good or bad or not we don't think of it in the sense of compassion of how is this going to affect the immediate people around and how they affect people around them. No, we go yep. into two other areas. One is crime. Are there human authorities involved with this? Who is going to come down and step on my toes, or grab me by the heel, or put a knee on my neck, or something like that? Yep. And then the other one is that the um, that the authority is magical. That it's a god. And that's where the quality of evil comes in, is is that it's no evil, which means no God is going to do anything to me. And perhaps in this area, um, because he's actually telling this to the king now, that you're not going to, if I do all of this, you're not going to come after me. And the king right here says, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) I don't believe you here. And uh, in fact, I asked for um, the answer to what is the value of the static life, and you're telling me how much trouble you can get into. (laughs) 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 And so he talks about mangoes and breadfruit, that I asked for a mango and you give me breadfruit. (laughs) And so that's the same way with each one of these answers here. But then the king... Being very polite, and this is something that he that the Buddha probably notices in 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 this dialogue, um, manufactured as it is, and that is that uh, he did not chastise Puruna Kasapa, yep, but rather he just sort of, without approving or disapproving, he just left. Yep, I was just. Please, but I did not express my displeasure, neither accepting what he said nor contradicting it. I got up from my seat and left. Well, that's also referred to sometimes with the Buddha and other things. So that's the way in polite situations in the time of the Buddha, I think that that's also probably the best thing for humans to do nowadays yep if there comes a point in time when you just get up and walk off <laughs> and when puruna kasapa is saying what he's saying that time to walk away well now he's going to do that with uh, makale kusala and if you look uh, Makahale is Gusala is up in that list too. Yep. And so he's the one who says um There's all no of causes. these civilians and things about all of these deeds and there are uh so he's just going off into fantasy land. There are seven gods and seven humans and seven goblins and what is all about mean. And here and there no such thing as this. By this precept or observances or the mortification of spiritual life, I shall force unripened deeds to bear their fruit. Now, this is an important point. I shall force unripened deeds to bear their fruit or to eliminate old deeds by experiencing their results little by little, for that cannot be. In other words, he's saying that This guy is saying, exactly opposite of what uh, Naga Nakaputa is saying, is is that we can burn the old karma off. And this guy is saying, you cannot burn it off by yourself, either in great big hunks, nor is it going to go away little by little. You
2: just have to make it, it. let it do its thing.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. He says then that pleasure and pain are allowed Transmigration lasts only a short time, and so there is no decrease or increase, and, and this transmigration here, um, we can look at in the sense of moments change, that you do not transmigrate from one land to another, like from Germany to Italy, nor do you transmigrate through ages so that you're born in this, city, uh, in this country and a hundred years later, you're born in that one. This whole thing about transmigration means the movement of time. Okay. And he's saying here that transmigration lasts only a limited period, short time, and there is no increase or decrease in that moment.
2: Yeah, what does that mean? I was a bit confused by that one.
0: Things are not getting better and they're not getting worse is what his uh, teaching is. Okay, sure. Things are not getting better, they're not getting worse. You cannot burn off old comma. You cannot let it piddle out over a little bit of time. You cannot just walk away from it and ignoring it. That there it is.
2: So you just have to endure...
0: This is the guy that talks about it from... a. Uh, The concept of a ball of string. Yes. Okay. That you take, you hold the string, and you throw the ball out, and the ball will unravel all the way down to there. There's nothing left. Yep. And basically, what he's talking about here is annihilationism. This is pretty close to, but not exactly um, an atheistic point of view. Annihilationism actually has the quality that um, upon the breakup of the body, the existing self is annihilated. Okay, Like the ball of string, when it runs out, all of your comma, all of your actions, everything is kaput. When that happens, we're not saying. You can either have a magical answer to it, eons or 100 billion years from now, or you can have death, or you can say, wait a minute, (laughs) I can let that string run out in town. I'm going to sit here (laughs) in the woods and (laughs) hang out. (laughs) All right. And again, um, the king didn't get it. And being polite, he got up and left uh, Makale Gusala. Uh
1: mm-hmm. huh.
0: The next one is Ajita uh, Kesa Kambala. Uh
1: mm-hmm. huh.
0: And what he is teaching is, "Great King, there is no meaning in giving and in sacrificing and in offering. This is also part of that wrong view. There is no result or fruit of good and bad deeds. There is no afterlife, there is no obligation to mother or father. There is no beings reborn spontaneous, and there is no aesthetic life or Brahmin's who is well-trained in practice and who ascribes to the afterlife after realizing it with their own insight. Now, what this means is, he's actually talking about here ordinary right view, because this is part of it, um, uh, actually the opposite of ordinary right view, because ordinary people believe that even though they cannot see their own past lives, they believe that there are aesthetics and Brahmins and sometimes Western Dhamma teachers who claim that they can.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but that's also wrapped up with taking the magic out of it, saying, no, none of that stuff exists. There is no afterlife. But by saying there's no afterlife, that means that there's no value in even giving or sacrificing or uh offerings. For me, I'm thinking about sacrifice and offerings. Yes, there are some times that we do want to make a sacrifice. There are legitimate sacrifices. Putting your son on a great big stone lab and pulling his heart out, I don't think is one of them. Huh. Uh huh. But uh, offering yourself up for the one that the police are looking for, because you know that if somebody doesn't offer himself up, the police are going to take the whole crowd. Especially true in the military. If, if uh, uh, the platoon, if someone in the platoon makes a mistake,
1: mm-hmm.
0: does something really bad, and the sergeant, he wants to know who did it. And if, uh, and if uh, no one confesses and the other guys don't bring up who did it then he's going to punish everyone in the platoon as if they were the one who did it. Mm -hmm. That's why someone would in fact raise their hand and sacrifice themselves for the benefit of the other people around him. That would be a useful sacrifice. Yep. Let us hope that you don't get yourself into that situation. (laughs)
1: Let's hope. (laughs)
0: But there is room for sacrifice. There is room for offerings. And so this guy is really wrong. He's got it all wrong. He's saying basically no to everything. The way that the guy right before him did. Both of this has a quality of wrong view.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Again, the king says, "Eh," (laughs) but he didn't even say that out loud.
2: (laughs) Just got up and left.
0: He just got up and left. And then uh, Paducah, Casayana, uh, he says um, that there, you know, he's actually kind of going off into, uh, let us call it the modern physics of the day.
2: All right. All right.
0: So uh, he's talking about the substance of earth, water, fire, air, pleasure, and pain, and the soul as a seventh. And I thought that we would pick that apart. Notice one, two, three, four, five words in. In fact, what you can see there is patha v'kayo and yep. v. Uh, a-po-kayo and apaka the apo kayo and teja kayo. Each one of them, you know the word kai. Kaya is the word for body. Uh-huh. Now he's talking about earth as a body, water as a body, fire also as a body, and air as a body. That's how they referred to them. Then we do that nowadays, too, but we don't really think of it as a body. Like there's a body of air right around.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And then the next words, look at that. Our old buddies, our old companions, suke, duke. And so what he's basically saying is is that this is what the humans experience. We can experience these four qualities, these four elements of nature, plus we experience suke and duke. And then he says the seventh which means satena uh satemi which is the seven is jive huh how that's not the word soul that's life
2: life yes
0: Live. that's the word life put the word l and you can say live right there i mean it's just it's so clear that this is not talking about a soul. Yep. And what is the soul anyway? Because everyone can experience suke. Everyone can experience duke. Everyone can experience the earth, the water, fire, and we breathe air. We certainly experience it. But the soul is the seventh. We do not experience a soul. But we do experience being alive. Yep. And that's what they're talking about. This thing is called life. What the dog over there has and what this laptop does not. That's being alive. And so this is what he's talking about here. And I thought that I would point out in this, this translation
1: <laughs>
0: that um, life itself. And if you roll over that word, you can also see exactly that the poly Dictionary has it correct. Life yep. a living being. The principle of life is what he's actually talking about. Yep. The vital breath. An individual living being experiencing entity within the physical body. Nowhere
2: definition does
0: that word have anything to do with magic or souls or anything. Yep. All right, these seven substances are not made, not derived, not created. They're without a creator, barren, steady as a mountain peak, standing firm like a pillar. In other words, he's talking about they exist. Life exists. Suffering exists. All of these elements exist. Okay, I get I agree, even. Except for the translation. (laughs) What's the point of the question? (laughs) Ah, okay. He says they don't move or deteriorate or obstruct. They're unable to cause pleasure, pain, or any neutral feeling. Actually, here again, a neutral feeling, which we've talked about before. It's not a neutral feeling. But in this case, the guy is, is saying they don't move or deteriorate or obstruct each other. In other words, Earth cannot cause pleasure. Uh-huh. Sukha is pleasure, but it cannot. But pleasure does not cause pain. I would go so far as to say, wait a minute, if Jiva or the life force is as the seven, that does actually create all of the others and so in that way this is not correct now let's look at uh ah okay Uh... now The words that we want to look at are the last words of, um, the last two words of uh, the line. When it says sukaya va, then the next line dukaya va, and suka kaya va, okay? Yep. It says and that and, and so that that sukaduka kaya is not a neutral feeling it's a mixed feeling
1: oh.
2: that's interesting
0: you do not know whether to feel good or bad with that that's the that's one of the issues with but again, this whole idea of a neutral feeling—that's been in the use in the in the translator's vocabulary for a hundred years—and they need but to really look at the knowledge to see exactly what we're talking about here. It's not a neutral feeling. It's got suka, duka, kaya. So anyway, this guy is saying that the elements are unable to cause pleasure or pain or even the neutral feeling. So this is something that is actually, um, let us say, at least not unique to Buddhism, because here's other teachers talking about these three kinds of feelings. Or at least the guys who did this translation or not translation, or built this sutta, put those words into the mouth of someone else who was not part of the Buddha's dispensation. I don't know which one is more correct. Uh (laughs) And so he then tells, no one who kills or who makes others kill, no one who uh, learns or who educates others, no one who understands or helps others to understand If you chop off someone's head with a sharp sword, you don't take anyone's life. The sword simply passes through a gap between these seven substances. Okay, that sword is going between my sukkah and my dukkha, and it's going through my life, or is it going to end my life? I mean, come on, guys. (laughs) But you can see where these philosophies... uh, um, Uh, that we have today, I can get away with anything. Oh, if I kill somebody, if I cut his head off with a source, it's just elements.
2: Mm -hmm. Yep.
0: And not taking into consideration the sukkah and the dukkha of all of the family members of the guy whose head you just severed.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: And so, he was asked about uh, the aesthetic life. And he, he didn't answer it. He's just talking about, oh, well, I can get away with anything. So we see a whole a whole lot of wrong views in here, about three in a row. Yep. And so now we come, and by the way, this is a different order than they were above, but now we come to uh, uh, Nagatha Nataputta.
2: Oh, yeah, it is a different order. Yeah. And
0: Nagantha Nataputta Vata... Here, the word Vada, you see that, the number 3.5 there is where we are. Yep. Gosh, about a quarter of the way through this thing. (laughs) Here we see um, the word Vada is being translated into doctrine. Yep. The word vada actually means voice or words. You can see the word vada, and you can see that they're talking about the words or the speaking. The word vada here um, is close to, but similar, a bit different from the word vox. Vox that gives us the word voice. This word vada is the word uh, in Pali that we would derive as the words or talk. And so this is actually the words of uh, Negantha Nata Because in fact, these are the words that came right out of his mouth. But the translator, he's got to step it up a notch He's got to call it a doctrine. Uh-huh. I think that has to do with Christian influence. <laughs> Not just in the mind of that particular translator, but in built into our language in general. And so he says, well, I went to talk to him, and here we see... Uh,
2: Restrained.
0: Listen, when when the when the greetings and polite conversation were over, I sat down and asked him the same question. Okay, and he said, "Great King, consider a Jane aesthetic who is restrained in the fourfold restraints. If you look at the Polly, you do not find the word Jane." Yeah. That's okay. True. Here he says, "Great King is the Maharaja."
2: Yep.
0: Yidha Maharaja Naganto, which is this guy. Um, that long Pali word uh, is called control in regards to the to the four restraints. Uh, and hoti means that that's what they're doing. I should have mm-hmm. told you about because so you see hoti all over the place. That's the yep. ending verb. Um, it's almost like it could be left off, but this added, because this is very poetic. This is all poetry. This is, uh, when it's spoken uh, in the Pali by those who know how to read it, it's quite poetic. English, mm-hmm. not so much. Yep. Uh, and part of the reason that it's so poetic is because it keeps ending in all of these um, very familiar words. By the way, up above, we use the word va, which mm-hmm. means or, and cha means and. So va, cha, and, and or. And, and we we'll see those words used a lot. And when it's used in the poetry, we put emphasis upon those cha and vas. To bring out the poetic part of it. Mm-hmm. A-da-da-ba, 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 okay, and there's always that va and va uh, to uh, connect things together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all of that is lost in um, <clears throat> the translations. Um, so back to the, uh, he called himself. Uh, Nathan, but that does not necessarily translate as to Jane. And all of that other word has to do with the four. In fact, the Katu is the word for four. Mm-hmm. So, and how is a Jane aesthetic re, uh, restrained in the four form restraint? It's when a Jane aesthetic is obstructed by water, devoted to water. Shaking off all water and pervaded by all water. Wait a minute. How can you be pervaded by water and having shook it off? Yeah. How can you be obstructed by water and be devoted to it?
2: Yeah, what's that all about?
0: Perhaps it's not water. Perhaps something else is going on here, but that the translator took the easy way out. But in fact, this the, uh, when you're using water, I don't even know, because water doesn't really have much of anything to do with James. But let's look at that one. Uh, Saba, which means everything, and then Avari, which is a word for water. Uh, and then the uh, verito which is the one that's presented. So this word, vari, is the word that's being translated into water, but it doesn't necessarily have to mean that. For instance, the waters of life, and even in English, doesn't necessarily mean water, water. I'm going into my meditation room. I'm going to go water my my plants. (laughs) Okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and so it actually has to do with nourishment, is basically what this Bari is talking about. Um, and so we're not quite sure, but we do know that the Janes are the ones who do the naked aesthetic things that make them really weird in their behavior. Yep. Uh, And if this is their fourfold restraint, which is something of, okay, so there's an obstructed, in other words, uh, he allows this thing to stop us, but we are devoted to this thing, we will shake it off while being covered with it. I'm not sure what that is. That's a good riddle. We'll leave that as a riddle. Don't know what the Janes are saying actually here but we do know that they were very much in the time of the Buddha into restraint of the senses. The yep. Buddha didn't eat. They, they will stand for long periods of time and not move their arms, and so there uh, there's many different ways that they can uh, restrain themselves. It's all about holding back, But but remember we were talking about that one of the guys said that you could not speed up old comma. Yep. Well, change do that. That's the whole point of their practice is to speed up the old comma to get it moving so that I can. And in fact, the suffering that I'm putting myself through right now with this practice is actually now the experience of the old comma that I'm burning off was their belief. And, not a chance. No, you're experiencing the results of what you're doing to yourself right now. Who Just knows about <laughs> You're suffering because you're starving yourself. You're suffering because you're putting hooks through your body. <laughs> you're study you're suffering because you're walking around naked.
2: It actually makes no sense.
0: Yes. And so um, this is how they're restrained and the fourfold restraints but again the king didn't get it mm-hmm. again he's using the mango and the breadfruit I came here and asked you what's the point of all of this and Naganadaputa didn't give it to him he just says this is what we're doing but he does not offer a value
1: mm-hmm. and, it,
0: um, and so he left that one too now, this next dude, Sankhaya to Vada, you can see, okay, the Vada is there, the and yeah, yeah. And then you see his name is, the, he's the son of probably some other big teacher. So, Sanjaya. Sanjaya is taking a very interesting position of If I knew, I would say yes. But I'm not going to say yes, nor am I going to say no to any questions you ask. Suppose you were to ask whether there is another world. If I believed there was, and that's an important point, if I believed there was, I would say so. But I don't say so. I don't say it's like this. I don't say it's like that. I don't say it's otherwise. I don't say it's this or that, nor, and I don't deny it to be not so. Suppose you were to ask me, is there no other world? Whether there is both is and is not another world, whether there is neither this nor not another world, whether there are beings who are born spontaneously, are beings who are not born spontaneously okay? So, basically, what does that mean?
2: Spontaneously, well, I've seen it quite a few times.
0: Things just arise on their own,
2: okay, without intentions.
0: Wow, well, he didn't. Oh, wow, this is really <laughs> not good to put even the ellipsis in the poly. You're not supposed to do that. <laughs> uh-huh. The poly is to be left unmolested, folks, (laughs) but he's here doing it. Let me see if I can find. Yeah, so you can see that the translator has taken an ax to this. Uh, Suppose you were to ask me whether there is no other world if I believed there was no other world. I would say so, is what they're leaving out here. Whether there is both... So let's go up and... No, that's that's the beginning of it. Okay. So, uh, pyro loco. Uh, at the world is a world. Almost always when we talk about another world, we immediately think of a magical world.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. No. Uh, the world of shellfish is a different world than the world we live in. In fact, the world of the dog is even different than the world we live in because they live in a very nasal, uh, <laughs> olfactory world that we yep. do not live in, where everything has to do with, with, with smells. So what, what he's saying here, basically the point is, is that he refuses to take a stand on anything basically because he can see that wrong view is wrong view, and ordinary wrong view is also wrong. There's no reason to, to, to keep either one of them. Uh, again, he goes after reborn spontaneously, which means things just arise. Whether there is the fruit and the results of good or bad deeds... So you can see this, all of this stuff has the roots of uh, Sutta number 117, the Great Forty, when he's talking about uh, wrong view and right view, the result of good and bad deeds. And he says, whether there is um, no fruit or the result of good and bad deeds, he's not going to make a position of it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: He's going to stay completely neutral, which is kind of silly.
2: It's a here form of he even fashion. goes so
0: far as to say whether the realized one exists after death or not. Now here we're actually looking at something because now we can see the the fingerprints. When he says Hoti Tathagago Param Marana P Okay, so that repeated it. But marana is death. Param means around it or above it or beyond death in other words what and so here the translator is using the word after but the important word to look for is the word Tathagatho he's talking about the, the Buddha himself because this is the the word that he gave himself this is his name Tathagata. Uh This is the Buddha's name. Why would this dude who's saying, I don't believe uh, uh, that this is true or not true, I'm not going to say this or that, why is he referring to the Tathagata here? In the sense of whether the Tathagata exists over death are outside of death, which they're saying is after death. Well, this is actually reminiscent of the four, um, I forgot the poly word for it, the four imponderables. Okay, and basically what it's really referring to is what happens to everyone because we don't really know. This guy is correct, he doesn't know, and he's saying, I don't know. But when we put the Tathagata's name on it, we're saying that we don't even know about the Buddha, what happens with him after death, we don't know anything. Yep. But it's being superlative by putting the Tathagata in there. Yep. Because we can say, oh, well, we know what happens to ordinary people, they just recycle, and you know, from birth to birth until they burn off all of their karma, right? And then on that last death, then what happens to them? Does he exist after that death? After he's gone forth, or he's the Tathagatha, after he's burnt off all of that? And and um, again, the real answer is, we don't know. Mm-hmm. But even with all of that, he's he's just taking a very neutral position, but when the whole thing... He is not answering the question. (laughs) He's just being confused. And in fact, that's what the king says. This guy's out of his mind. (laughs) Yeah. Because he can't go anywhere. And all he wanted to know was what is the value of the aesthetic life? And so um, he never, he didn't say anything. He just got up. And he left. Uh-huh. And so now we come to uh, the dialogue again between uh, the Buddha and uh, the king. Uh, where we have the a, 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 a Samana Fala. And you can see the end of that long word there is the Samana Fala. And then... Uh, Yeah, the phala is the fruit of the salmon inn, Uh and uh, the rest of it is just like the first or the foremost, or this is the first thing that we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And um, so... Just,
2: you know, um, in around 10 minutes, I'm going to have to um, head off.
0: All right, well, I'll tell you what, this is a really excellent place to stop.
2: Okay, yeah.
0: And we'll pick this up tomorrow.
2: Yep, all right. Sounds good.
0: Okay. And we're about halfway finished.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, um, I hope you've enjoyed this.
2: Yep, very much.
0: And uh, it's good to be able to learn how with, with this, uh, to pick out the, uh, to look at the, it for yourself. When any student says, what's the best translation? The answer is, this one with uh, Bhikkhu Sujato, because we can put the Pali line by line. Mm. And now the job is if you care that much about the Dhamma, go look at it. Yep. Because we cannot trust these um, modern translations. Mm. And we just caught a big one, soul, with the word jiva. And right in the Pali dictionary, it defines it correctly, and the translator still uses the word soul. Yep. And in many that's other true. cases. Okay, so um, someday we'll have a new uh, generation of translators, but that's That hasn't happened yet. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe someone would get inspired from, uh, inspired from this, these videos and <laughs> learn how to do a good job of it. All right. Well, we'll see you tomorrow.
2: See you tomorrow.